the waiters in your grand cafe Leave their tables when you blink Oh, every dog must have his every day Every drunk must have his drink Don't wait for answers Just take your chances Don't ask me why Previously on Billy Joel A to Z I think we're all in agreement that this album is awesome. Worst album ever. Joel, on the other hand, always comes off like a particularly obnoxious frat boy. What real Billy Joel fan doesn't love side two of this record? I suspect foul play. Now your calendar's complete. Don't wait for answers. Just take your chances. Don't ask me why. And why don't we take this time to go to the ranking? These are the rankings for the 10 songs on the album entitled Glass Houses. I usually go first. I don't think anybody has a problem with that. We are going from 10 to 1. And uh, I'm just looking. I made this list uh, a couple days ago. I'm just seeing if I wanted to change something uh, on the spot, but I'm pretty sure this is the way it sticks. It definitely have Close to the Borderline as the worst song on the album. I really don't like it. And I was upset that it came up when I was listening as a whole. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't realize how much I didn't like it until I heard it again today. That stays at number 10. Cette Trois is unfortunately number nine and only for the French part. Otherwise, that would definitely be up higher. I really like that song. If he could somehow make a version with different lyrics in the middle that would, or even repeating the lyrics, that would be terrific. Number eight, Sometimes a Fantasy. I don't think that song holds up as it did and how much I loved it when it first came out. Do you mean the topic, like phone sex, feels dated to you? Because now the, you get your whole, porn on the, the internet. The topic and the song feel dated to me. Mm. I don't, I don't love it. Yeah. Um. And through the long night, a new one for me at number seven. I maybe I, I must have heard it because they have played the album before. But I'm relearning how much I enjoy that song through the long night. So that moves up to number seven, and could even be higher up, but let's face it, the next ones are just incredible. I have it's still rock and roll to me at number six huh. because I've tired on that song uh, over the years. Uh, I used to love it. I couldn't get enough of it, and I guess I've overplayed it a little bit, but there's so much more stuff to come. I have Don't Ask Me Why at five. And that's a phenomenal song, but I love the other songs that much better. I don't want to be alone at number four. You may be right, which is really good and could be number one for me. I have All for Lena at number two. I don't know why. That's just a fascinating song. I loved it since the first day I've heard it. It's it's the strangest song I've ever heard, maybe. Like maybe ever of all of Billy Joel's songs, I have that up, but that could be down further if I re-change everything. And number one, which might be one of my favorite Billy Joel songs of all time, is Sleeping With The Television On. That song rules, and everything about it rules, except for the beginning now. I mean, 
when I first heard the album, I loved the beginning with the TV. Of course, nobody knows what that is anymore. And that seems silly. And I just kind of want to get right into it. But like with the beginning, you may be right. There is a funness to starting something and then hitting it. Like with glass houses and then and so with you know, and then it hits it. So yeah. That is the Dave Juskow Classics. I'm sure you guys have it much differently put together. Well, I've been watching you all so night, Diane. Nobody's found a way behind your defenses. They never noticed the zap gun in your hand until you're pointing it and stunning your senses. Mine is different. I think mine is a more traditional list than yours, but you know, we expect you to have some wild cards in there, Dave. Right. Or That's what I do. Dave Jessica list. Exactly. So what I have in 10th place is Sete Toi. And I think if the whole thing um, was in French, I would put it higher up. But it has this English part that I don't understand. <laughs> um, but I like to think of Sete Toi as scenes from a French restaurant. Mm, nice. Wow. I think I said that during that episode we did seven yeah. years ago, and I wanted to bring that back. I thought it was funny. Bistro. Bistro. Then I have uh, Close to the Borderline. I, I'm surprised that you hate it so much. Um, although you did in the intro to this episode, you said that I was a huge fan of it. <laughs> yeah. and I, I, was, I was thinking, like, I'm putting this ninth on my list. Like, are you crazy? I don't but know why I thought you were. <laughs> I like it because it's like got those hard crunchy guitars it's just that the lyrics although i like the the harshness of the lyrics it feels very gritty like new york um it's not a song that you could sing along to because there's too many words it's too complicated so it doesn't like stick in your mind enough but it's got some great moments in it and number eight here's my big departure from you i have all for lena you know which is look it's a i still agree it's a hidden gem this is just a really good album and the fact that it sounds so much like hold the line by toto which came out in 1978 Oh, it's interesting. I, I, I get that, too. I, I definitely could have had mine lower looking at it again. But yeah, but I get that everybody else's would be all for Lena would be lower. But I got to give it points for like the quirkiness of how he sings certain lines. And then for that music video where his like he's like coked out of his mind and just staring at the camera. The whole thing about all for Lena is great. It's a great. Well, I think in when I first heard it growing up, it meant a lot to me. I think at the time I heard it, I was dating a girl that was not giving me the time of day or something you know i think it just meant something to me so i put it higher yeah he was speaking to me number seven i have the same as you i have through the long night which actually when i first started putting my list together i had this way near the top but then i thought i don't know it's more of a middle song there's, there's so much good stuff here but it's so haunting and sweet so i think it's a fun way to end the album on this really soft note after all these rock songs at number six, I have Don't Ask Me Why, which I think is the right place for it. Somewhere in the middle here. It's got that Bo Diddley beat. It's got the gay caballeros. Uh, I thought you would have that higher. I don't know. I It's tough. I like so many songs in this album. You can't choose, you know? Yeah, it's tough. Number five, I put I Don't Want to Be Alone, which the thing here is like I love the chorus so much, but I think the verses kind of lose the momentum. So if it was just the chorus, it might be number one. But otherwise, I put it. Here at number five, it's got a cool Joe Jackson. Is she really going out with him? Kind mm, of vibe. Good, good one. Yeah. Number four is sometimes a fantasy, 
I was surprised that I liked this song so much on re-listening uh, this week to this album. There's something about it that's just so cool and fun. And I like also that it starts with the sound effect of him dialing a phone number. And this is also the song where uh, in that in that video from Russia where he has his meltdown and he <laughs> says, right. stop lighting the audience. <laughs> right. So I'm, points for that. And the Kreplock album. Yes. And number three, I put Sleeping with the Television on. Excellent song, underrated, like everyone says. Although everyone says it's underrated so much, maybe it's overrated now. I'm not sure. Or maybe just properly rated. At number two, I put It's Still Rock and Roll to Me. It's just got so much going for it. Just such a classic. It almost made it to number one. But for number one, and I feel weird putting two big hits at number one and two. I feel like a sellout. But I just have to take away from how I'm feeling at the moment and just think of like how great these songs are. And I think the number one song on the album is You May Be Right. It starts the album off. It's the last song he plays in concerts. There's a reason for that. It's also great in karaoke as, uh, you know, I sang you it did. along with Paul. Yeah, as you did it. It's not karaoke because Paul is playing live. But um, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's just a really, really good, solid Billy Joel song. And I put it at number one. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with having a couple of hits up top. That's kind of the album jam. It's full mm-hmm. of hits. But I'll say this, even though three of my top five are from the first side of the album, if you ask me which side do I want to listen to, I would pick side two. Nice. All right. Here we go. Let's see what musician Paul Lauren has for us in his rankings for this classic 1980 album, Glass Houses. All right. I wanted to think about this ranking list a little differently. Um, and, I, and I gave it a, a good amount of thought. And what I what I thought here, I came up with a new system. Alphabetical. I love to see that. I've translated all the titles to French, and then I've ranked them. <laughs> Uh, no, I, what I thought I'd do was I'd, I'd put the singles a, as the as the last songs in, on the countdown as actually the worst songs. But I wanted to kind of clear the deck here and maybe shine a light on some of the lesser known, you know, songs. Or God damn, that's brilliant. Nothing's really lesser known, but but and obviously, you know, all for lane and sometimes a fantasy in different ways. Weren't those also released as singles? But. To me, they're kind of like well, all for Lena was only released in Europe and it didn't Australia do very well. Okay. So okay. It technically isn't a single, but it technically uh, also is. Sometimes a fantasy was really that was the evil uh Billy Joel in the in the video, right? The alter ego that yeah. he had. Okay. That was Great the video. Week. Great video. Creepy video. Okay. So then it, so I'm really just saying you may be right, it's still rock and roll to me, and don't ask me why are my my worst three. And in that order, then I'm going to start with uh, "It's Still Rock and Roll to Me" as number ten. Okay, I know, I know. These are hot takes, guys. No, Do I you write it. for Rolling Stone magazine? <laughs> <laughs> Fans out there are cringing. His oral hygiene is awful. <laughs> Somewhere, one of Billy Joel's kids just lost a tooth. Um, <laughs> nine is uh, "You May Be Right." I like it better than "It's Still Rock and Roll to Me." I mean, okay, well, let's just talk about these songs for a second. The lyrics in It's Still Rock and Roll to me are are awesome. I mean, what 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 a mind this guy has. What a weird mind he has. Gonna cruise the miracle. Like, I want to know 
in his writing process, this is what I always think about when I listen to Billy Joel. I, I want to know who he's thinking of talking to because he's obviously talking to someone in all these songs. And it's still rock and roll to me. You know, who is he talking to? Some, you know, uppity kid from the North Shore of Long Island who's got living off his daddy's dime and who is going out to talking head shows at my father's place on weekends. Is that the kid he's talking to here? <laughs> Is it, you know, that's a weird reference. Nice reference to my father's yeah, yeah. place. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Those bands would have come through the, the scene. Or is that kid going out to CBGB's on a, on a Friday night, you know? That's who I'm imagining him talking to. The same with you, maybe, right? Like, who's he talking to here? He's married, you know, he's married for a long time. He's raising his wife's kid. They're co-parenting. Who, who, who is he imagining himself to be? I'm always so curious here, Joel. Tell us. Tell us everything. You May Be Right is number nine. It's a, it's a really fun Rolling Stones song. I really dig it. Don't Ask Me Why is like top shelf Billy Joel melody writing. I mean, that's like a Nielsen song meets a McCartney song. Fun. I, th I thought about Nielsen when you said, when in Billy Joel's interview that you quoted, you said... Um, Oh, I don't want to do like son of the stranger. And obviously Nielsen <laughs> put out Nielsen Schmielsen. And then his next record is son of Schmielsen. Which oh, is, is that right? Show. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, just trying to be cheeky, obviously, but, um, but yeah, son of Schmielsen because Niels, because Schmielsen, Nielsen Schmielsen was such a big hit tongue tied there. But yeah, I mean, don't ask me why. I mean, and then just what do those words mean at all? Like, what is he even talking about there? I don't think he really knows. It's just like a fun, the way McCartney would write these songs and you'd be like, what is he really talking about? It kind of makes sense, but it doesn't. He's fixing a hole. What is what is he doing here? <laughs> you know, it's like that kind of. Uh, um, and I love this Joel technique in writing. He does this in a few different songs where he'll transpose the melody into a new chord or a new key even. So we're technically in the key of B flat here. All the way. And then now we're in the key of C. That's that, that this chord doesn't belong in the scale, but boy, does it brighten it up. And then he transposes the same melody that he, we just heard in those two chords to the, this key of F. Right? So it, it's just like deceptively simple. And as I said before, he, he's done that on a bunch of songs, notably the old one to four trick of in New York State of Mind or others where you have. And it'll transpose up here to the same melody. Right? That's like an old kind of Tin Pan Alley trick, but he's using it here to great effect and don't ask me why. And it moves the thing along. And then he's going up. And then the B section, the chords go down. And the turnaround goes up again. Genius. Wow. That's just genius. And it's so simple and it's so obvious. But if you deconstruct it and you're just like, it's mind blowing. It's great. Okay. It's fascinating. So I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> I was going to bring that point up, but I figured Paul will probably bring it up. And he has a piano in front of him and I don't. That is, uh, that's my number eight. 
so we get those three out of the way. I wasn't really thinking about Sometimes a Fantasy as a single. I think it would live at number seven for me if it wasn't released as a single. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, it's it's a fun song. Uh, anytime I hear it now, I just think of him knocking his CP80 over in Russia, in Moscow. I mean, I, I, can't, I don't know if I could really hear it. I love the um, Live from Long Island version, Nassau Coliseum, New Year's Eve, 82. That's That one rocks. I love watching that clip, too where he's he's just running around having a great time. The song is real it sounds really cool the the two guitars stereo pan wide, the synth solos amazing. It's got some great touches. The phone sex thing for me, I don't know, it's just a bit creepy, right? There's something kind of weird yeah. about it. Lyrically. Oh yeah, undoubtedly creepy, but I <laughs> I try to look past that in music. Otherwise, we would have no musicians that we would look up to. That is true. That Couldn't is listen true. to an Aerosmith album, I'll tell you that. Well, that's true. No, we we couldn't listen to any Aerosmith. That's no true. Led Zeppelin. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the only the ones that have to do with the Lord of the Rings, we could probably listen to those. Those are okay, safe. Yeah, <laughs> safe. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to cancel this song at all. It's it's a really cool record. It's just when when it comes on, right? When it comes on, it hits. It smacks, man. It really smacks. And he's got that kind of buddy holly rockabilly delivery on it mm-hmm. right he's got that thing <laughs> and a little rick ocasek too yeah right exactly totally rick o- totally this is just what i need it it's got that cars right it has that same thing to it of course wow. it fits in this record so that's number seven then we're going number six Okay, number six. This this is where it starts to get a little tough for me, but I'm going to go close to the borderline. I I remember really liking that song as a kid or just being intrigued by it. It feels like mid to late 70s New York City, you know, it talks about Son of Sam or something, and it, and it blackout, heat wave, 44 caliber homicide, like that kind of picture of dirty, grungy New York that maybe you remember, Dave. I do, but I do. One maybe Alon and I, yeah, we we came on the tail end of that. You know, we before Giuliani cleaned up Times Square. Of course, right. I remember it, but but there's a kind of romance about it. I think the song kind of captures that. Well, those people are idiots. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does some capture something in it, and uh, I actually do agree with that one Rolling Stones, uh, Rolling Stone writer Paul Nelson, what? just about this song because it does sound like Eagles going punk. It, it does really it's interesting yeah it has that it definitely feels like a joe walsh guitar thing happening here the drums have like a, a slap back on them i don't know if you noticed that they have like a tape echo on them really quick and it and i think maybe the vocal does if you listen to some elvis costello recordings around the late 70s they also use um like if you listen to pump it up the drums have this really quick slap on them um, which is which is really cool, and they're kind of using a similar effect here, and also just the dueling guitar solos, talking about Eagles, but between Russell and David Brown, we haven't even mentioned David Brown yet, but right, like him coming into this record, making this record what it is, and is having this his that, first record with him. Yeah, it's his first record with oh, him, I see. and it's the last record for Rico Richie Canada, interestingly. But this is the Segway record in, in some ways. But, you know, th- those dueling guitar solos are really cool, right? At the end there. 
Yeah, I love that part. I also like in the bridge section how it's mostly just Billy and Liberty and the drums there in that area are really, really nice. Totally. Yeah. And it's like sparse and you know, it's, it's the live band and it's probably a live vocal because he was known to do all his vocals live. So it's probably just him at the mic. There's no piano, right? There's no piano in the song. Is that, is that true? So he's probably just at the microphone here with the band. What a cool record. So I don't hate it. I know it's musically, uh, and I know it's, I guess, listening to, where does it else it appear? You guys know this better than I do. Is it on my lives? Like as a weird demo? It's on Greatest Hits Volume 1. <laughs> no, it's not. I'm pretty sure. Close to the borderline? Yeah, it leads off the whole Greatest Hits album. It's his favorite song of all time. Oh, you're kidding. Okay. <laughs> so forgive me if I'm wrong, but there's like a, I think a piano demo of this song. Yeah, I've there's heard. two demos of it and they're very interesting. And he doesn't have the lyrics down yet. So he's mumbling a lot. Yeah. Um, I like the bridge on it. I thought I'd sacrifice so many. Thought I'd throw it all away. It's great. It's classic. Yeah. And it, yeah, that piano demo that you're talking about, he actually sounds a lot like Elton John. So it's almost like a completely different song than what came out on the album. Yeah. Interesting there. So I don't hate it. I mean, it's in the middle of my list. Number five, I'm going with All for Lena. That's my number five choice. I. I have a that's a real soft spot for this song, probably similar to you, Dave, as an angsty, uh, you know, um, love lusting. (laughs) I would say love lusting, but I I was a romantic as a kid, you know. Yeah, there's always one one girl that that this song sets it for, sets the mood for. She's rarely named Lena. (laughs) Rarely, yeah, she's rarely. Well, there's always one, like you know, where you're. I mean, I had the one where my parents, my bosses are like, you, you got to get over this girl. You got to get over this girl. You know, every guy seems to have one of those. It, it was perfect. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it, it, and it's just, it is a really cool uh, baseline thing that's happening there. I just love that. It's just... It's thick, right? That that bass doubled with the guitar doing that thing is really cool. Yeah. And the fact that now they have two guitarists in the band, they're able to stretch out on that. And I love the sound of the of the CP80 or 70 that he's playing, uh, which I think is just one of the coolest sounding instruments ever. And then Joe Jackson was a big, uh, you know, that's, that's all over those Joe Jackson records as well. But And then it became a staple on Billy's live shows, obviously, even through the bridge tour, which we we know infamously. I think this this song also is like kind of ear candy for people that love hearing Billy Joel freak out, like the the Billy Joel Tourette's that he does, you know, throughout his career. It's on full display here. Stop all that stuff. (laughs) And it's it's just very interesting. It's just an interesting, weird song. I don't think there's another song like it in his catalog, really. So I, I I dig it. You guys have anything to say about All for Lena? I've already said my Yeah, obviously piece, Dave but, digs uh, it. He put it way high up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have it at number two, just because, like you said, even that bass line is so incredible. It really makes it like more like a, it's kind of like a, like thriller. You know, it's yeah. like a, it's like a play, like a movie song. I don't know. It's, 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 it's like a Broadway song, I guess. It's just not like anything I had ever heard. 
Yeah, it's very visual. You could picture the whole scene that's going on here. Yeah, that's the thing. I could picture everything. It's it. I guess it's the one song that I know the lyrics for. You know, because we this is all we talk about. Alon's going over the lyrics. I'm like, that. Those are the lyrics to the song because I'm always just the melody. I do not hear the lyrics. And in this one, I got the whole scope and the anger of everything and the way. Th- also, when I used to play the piano, I loved hitting keys again and again and again. That, 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 that was the way I liked to play the piano. So I just liked everything about it because I used to be able to play this on the piano and I just really enjoyed it, everything about it. Yeah. There are other earlier songs in his catalog that do that movement where the piano and then there's a bass that a bass line that's doubled with the guitar and the piano. Like if you think famously of uh, moving out, it has that. And the guitar oh, is doubling I that. That's right? why I like playing that one on the piano too. That right. <laughs> and Big Shot has that. Um... So, you know, <laughs> wow. alternating thing, right? He's ripping off himself. <laughs> so there are moments where it does that, but I think it's really used to great effect here. It's really cool. So, and and I also like him. I don't know. I like when he's like singing as a teenager, like he's definitely the protagonist is a teenager here, right? Now I'm in, I'm in my room watching the tube, yep. like in his room. He's not in his house. He's not in his glass house. He's in his bedroom. Yeah. And, you know, my, uh, my father's saying, stop. Right. Yeah, so, that's why it worked for us. He was talking as a teenager, not as Billy Joel. Totally. Not as the rock star, Billy Joel. Yeah. And there are moments. Pre-Billy Joel. Is this kind of the last time? Well, maybe an innocent man has some of that that um, teenage stuff, but this is feel. It feels like he didn't do that in the bridge. He didn't do it in Stormfront or River of Dreams. Obviously, he's no, in that he's too old. Age. He he lost that teenage angst at that point. Yeah, you're right. This is the last time, really, in a sense. Uh, before it was what yeah, I mean. The, the Stranger is definitely a teenage angst album. Yes, and then so this could be on the Stranger. Yeah, away, thematically, you know? yeah, thematically it can, for sure. And even if you change out the CP80 sound with a real piano. Yeah, go to the CP70, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I, I dig it. So that's my all for Lena. Um, we up to number four, and number four is I Don't Want to Be Alone. Yeah, the Joe Jackson meets, the, is she really going out with him? That's, that's a nice grab on. I, I, I didn't really think about that that kind of lift or influence that's mm. totally there. And obviously you hear Allison and some Elvis in there that is even in the guitar part, some of that kind of Curtis Mayfieldy stuff that they're doing in the guitar, the licks that's very Allison or whatever, but it is its own thing. The weird sax solo, like Elvis Costello wouldn't have inserted a sax solo. Well, again, if I think if Richie Canada was already gone, I don't think any of these songs would have had a sax solo. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, Richie came in one day. He's like, hey, Billy, I, I thought of a thing I could He's ask too that kind song. of person. Yeah. But I like where that sax solo happens. And, you know, I, I didn't play the, the full version just before, but, but don't you know that it's wrong? And it leads into that. And it's just some cool, it's just clever writing. I don't know. At the Plaza Hotel. Yeah. I mean, you could do your Elvis Costello impression, Dave. And... Wear a jacket in the tie. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's great. It's great. I love it. Yeah, the sun. 
It's really a catchy chorus. Talk about writing a catchy chorus. Yeah. Right? I mean, the way it builds to that chorus. The way it builds to that chorus. Yeah. Yeah. So you have like on this record, you obviously have your tagline titles, like songs that are named because at the end of the A section or B section, like a Don't Ask Me Why, right? Or a It's Still Rock and Roll to Me. But then you have songs like You May Be Right or Sometimes a Fantasy that lead off the chorus. And you could sing the chorus instantly because the title gives way to the rest of the chorus. And this is one of those songs. I mean, you look at the title and you're just singing that chorus in your head. You just know it. It's so catchy. It's so well done. There's some cool moments uh, harmonically in this song, I think, um, that are that are different that some of the other new waivers wouldn't have done. But Billy Joel being a piano player, you know, some chords that are that are a little out of the realm of maybe what a guitar player would normally do. And it's just it's just great. It's classic. I wish it'd be played more. I wish you would play it. It's awesome. Well, you know, it's again what you're saying now, thinking about it, think about the review and all that kind of stuff. That what he said about being a piano player, playing a rock album, and he's basically playing the riff of the guitar on the piano. It's kind of like whatever song it is, and it's a it's a famous song, and I can't think of it where he's playing Wipeout, the drums, but on the piano. Mm. What what song is that? He he, it's very clear and it's a hit. Um, I can't think of it now, but this is what he does. He takes that's the fun. And that's why people make fun of it. That's just what they're saying. It's so interesting. They're making fun of him because it's not a rock album, even though he put more guitars. But he's always trying to take the piano and make that forefront and say, whatever they can do on the guitar, whatever they can do on the drums, I can do on a piano and go yeah. fuck yourself. Yeah, it's true. That's what I get from it. Well, he is coming from an angry place. He is. He <laughs> yeah. And speaking of angry, angry young man is the song you're thinking of, Dave. There you That's go. right. There you go. That's right. The beginning. Right. He's doing Wipeout on the piano. He's made that very clear his entire career. Yeah, that's great. It's Showing amazing. What he could do on the piano that no one else can. No one else can. Totally. Not totally. We love him. I'd we like to him. see his, his pal Beethoven do angry young man. I give him a thousand bucks if he could pull that off. In today's dollars or in Beethoven's time? Because uh, by now that'd be worth yeah. millions. <laughs> well, I was thinking more a couple of quid. Oh, maybe some drachma. Oh, is that a Greek currency? I don't know. I saw it on iDream Genie. Okay, okay. <laughs> Where am I? Number that was number four, right? Yeah. Number three. To hear Paul's top three songs from the Glass Houses album, tune in next week for more action, more Paul tunage, and everyone's favorite, Weird Alon parodies. See you next week! I sure hope so. All night long, all night long, we'll just be standing here because somebody might do somebody wrong. And we'll be sleeping with the television on. Television on. Oh, 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 sleeping with the television on.